0: The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 181. One
1: day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a time lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Bravehearty. Change, my dear. And it seems on a
0: moment too soon.
1: Unlimited vice pudding! Position
0: he Wearing a mid-thin. Fantastic.
1: Help! Scottish. I can complain about things. Ta-da. Ooh. She'll be
0: fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who, and today we're discussing the third Doctor story, The Mind of Evil. Ooh, pretty scary, eh, kids? (laughs) Joining me today on the panel is Jimmy Aiken. Hello, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Father Cory cannot be with us today, but uh, we will soldier on without him, and he'll be back with us next time, I hope.
1: And it's so unfortunate he's on extended duty today because uh, the third doctor is like his favorite doctor, and this is a third doctor serial. So I'm sorry <laughs> he doesn't have a chance to participate in this with us, but I hope, hope he gets to listen.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a very third doctor-ish story, too. You know, This is right up that in that wheelhouse. Uh, folks, if you can, we, we do greatly appreciate it. If you could go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from, and write a review. Uh, We haven't had a review there in a while, and uh, it would be nice to get some new reviews of uh, how we're doing and let other people know that you enjoy the show. And uh, please share the podcast with your friends to help them uh, learn about The Secrets of Doctor Who, and that will grow our community of listeners. And that's good for us and good for you, because the larger the community becomes, the better our show is. It's true. So, uh The Mind of Evil is uh, a as we said a third Doctor story. It it took place in 6 episodes. So it's it's, it's in that era where they they did slightly longer stories than than later. Uh it first aired in January of 1971 and his companion for the second outing, this is the, the second time uh the second story with his companion Joe Grant, who really kind of comes into her own in this story, Jimmy, right?
1: Oh yeah, she is I mean they 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 showed us aspects of her character before, uh where she was like, you know, a lockpick and things like that. And this, she's waving a gun around and being very commanding. And so yep. that, you know, they continue to red out her character. Although I can't quite tell if it's my background knowledge or how much it actually bleeds through onto the show. But the actress who plays Joe Grant is almost blind. And, and (laughs) without wearing glasses, I, I just, I can't help but thinking she's seeing a big blur in front of her the whole time. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I kind of, I, I'm not sure to the extent I'm picking it up from her performance or the, the degree to which it's just my background knowledge, but she's got this kind of hair that frames her face in a certain way and this she's got this it's a very mod look for the 60s but it also there's just something about her eyes that hmm. suggests big blur to me okay
0: i uh, well from my point of view i did not know that she had uh you know a vision impairment so i i didn't notice so uh, mm-hmm. maybe if i look for that in the future that it'll be more apparent the interesting thing about this is the original color versions of this episode and this is this is in the era of when they filmed them in color were lost and only monochrome prints that had been sent overseas certain overseas BBC affiliates could only show monochrome at the time those were all we had of the whole of the of this story until relatively recently right like the the DVD release was in like 2009 when they colorized it
1: yeah yeah so what you're watching is colorized
0: I got to say they do a, they did a pretty good job. This is not the early days of really bad purplish colorization. Uh this is this is looks like the original.
1: Yeah, in, in, unless you're a colorization aficionado or something, I don't think you'd even notice.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I'm glad I'm glad colorization has come a long way. Uh so the the story again, this is uh the second season of the third doctor. So the and
1: it's master season.
0: It's master. I was going to say the whole season is pretty much the master in every story uh, storyline. And where we left off, the master had been. They were at that rate. That was the one with the circus and the and the, uh, the radio tower. T- yeah, and the autons and the doctor had. I mean, the master had escaped and uh, was out in the you know, in
1: the earth. The, but the yeah. But the doctor had his DMAT circuit, so he couldn't exactly. leave Earth.
0: Exactly, and that feeds into this story. So. Uh, we begin with the Doctor and Joe arriving at this big medieval fortress that's now a prison, Stangmore Prison, which is a great name for a prison, um, and, which is, I think in reality, it's Dover Castle. I think that the, what I, I read, the, that the location was actually Dover Castle. But in the story, it's Stangmore Prison, which is a great name for mm-hmm. a prison. And uh, we have this funny scene where they have to show passes, like the, uh, their special identification to get into the prison. Um, and they make a big deal about being on closed-circuit television, which, you know, was a new thing back then, you know, the Dr. Muggs.
1: Didn't expect it at prisons, I guess. <laughs>
0: I guess. Uh, so the reason they're there is to observe this new prisoner rehabilitation process. And that's kind of a thing in the in this era, right? Like in the 70s and the 60s oh, yeah. was this whole idea of prison reform. Yeah, well, not just prison reform.
1: Well, I mean, it is linked to prison reform—the idea of making prisons more humane, but also reforming prisoners. Yeah, you know, trying to take people. There was all this hope that you could take people who were, you know, by modern standards, psychopathic, and turn them into productive citizens again. And it, they didn't realize that it's not as easy as they thought it was.
0: <laughs> and this but kind of pl- here plays it into is that. easy. Yeah. yeah, here it is easy <laughs>
1: because. Some mysterious figure named Doctor Keller, which yeah. is not an anagram of Master or anything like nope. that.
0: No, nope. they haven't done that yet. Yeah
1: has has invented a device, creatively known as the Keller device, and it performs sort of a death of personality on you. So, if you are uh, a really horrible person, this will suck all of the evil out of your personality, leaving you childlike. And they're going to do this to a guy named Barnum, and the doctor, for some reason, is convinced this is a horrible idea, not for moral reasons or anything like that, but but just because. And he's not real mm-hmm. clear on why this is a bad idea.
0: Yeah. the I, I have to say about the name Keller, it sounds a little bit like killer, so maybe there's a little bit in there, name. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The the doctor is there with a bunch of other scientists to observe this process, and this this professor running the machine. And I love the fact that the doctor keeps making these snide remarks out loud to, like, he makes these uh, asides to Joe that everyone can hear, including the professor running the thing, who's getting really annoyed with the doctor. It was actually pretty funny. Uh, I, I did like that, but yeah, it sucks. The evil impulse it essentially lobotomizes the prisoner, you know, in a sense without physically you know, digging parts of his brain out, but, but uh, some sort of process of lobotomizing them and stores it in a jar like a Ghostbuster ghost trap is what I was thinking. And, mm-hmm. and so it stores the evil. And yeah, I, I knew right away, storing evil, bad idea. That's just, <laughs> we know that's going to be a bad idea as we go.
1: Um, Although so they, they don't do a lot with that. It's not like the evil comes oozing out later.
0: Yes, well, they they by storing it in there, it feeds something, and so that's right. really the bad the bad idea. Uh, so yeah, they bring in this guy named Barnum, they hook him up. He's and and when they he's the first one to go through this process in the prison. This is the first time at this location, although they claim to have done it many times before in Sweden or something. And as the man is hooked up and the machines turned on, he screams out, and this this is apparently not what's supposed to happen. Um, and, and the the professor named Kettering, the one who's running machines, he says, "Oh no no no, it's not a big deal." Um, and uh, the doctor says he's there because unit deals with new and unusual menaces to mankind, and this qualifies. So he he kind of says that's you know that's why he's there. Um, uh, later on, uh, there's a man who's in the pro- in that same room, the process room, uh, and. Uh, there the he dies he's he screams out and dies and we're not sure why he's just sort of is killed in this room and uh the but assumption he's, he's,
1: is he's he's got little abrasions all over him as if he had been attacked by numerous
0: rats <laughs> so he's Ooh.
1: apparently a big Ed, edgar Allan poe fan i guess
0: oh uh, right right uh the kettering says that oh he must have died of a heart attack but the doctor has his doubts um uh, meanwhile uh back in london uh Unit and uh, the Brigadier are uh, busy providing security to a UN peace conference. So this is an the,
1: interesting—the first world peace conference. The world has <laughs> never had a peace conference before. No wonder the Hooniverse is so violent. <laughs> <No> kidding.
0: <laughs> the first world peace conference. Uh, uh, this isn't a, a side of Unit we haven't seen before. Before, like Unit is has been dispatched to deal with you know alien invasions and weird occurrences, but but now they're sort of like a they're like a security force they're like a it's kind of an interesting because and then they're also dispatched to dispose of a of a weapon of mass destruction at another point
1: right this is so their name is short at in this era for United Nations Intelligence Task Force and so it does kind of fit with that overall mission if you wanted if you're having a world peace conference you you know it 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 makes sense for the united nations to try to deploy an intelligence task force to provide security for it so you know it kind of fits their mission even though it's not what we normally see them doing
0: right right uh and it kind of gives this whole episode between the master the weapon of mass destruction this peace conference you know the with all the like these different countries it gives it a very bond feel a james bond feel uh, mm-hmm. To the whole story, which is interesting because we, we we we've said before that the third doctor's era has this very James Bondish ish uh, feel to it uh, in any way.
1: It also gives us more stuff to do besides just run through corridors for six episodes if we're switching between <laughs> these different subplots with the prison and the peace conference and Chekhov's missile and so <laughs>
0: forth. Right. And of course, uh, they'll all be connected uh, eventually. So we we're at Lethbridge Stewart's uh, his office, and this uh, Chinese communist uh, captain from you know from the Chinese government barges in and accuses unit security of being lax because some documents were stolen from the Chinese delegation's uh, offices. But when she leaves, we see this Captain Chinley go across the street from unit's headquarters and burn some documents, presumably the ones that she claims were stolen. Uh, you know, and throws them away. I'm not sure why she wouldn't have done that before she went in, except for dramatic purposes. Uh, but as she does it, then she touches this round disc below her ear, and she has this aura of mind control. You, you know, that that obvious uh, staring into the middle distance blankly uh, look yeah. to her face. Um, I, I love the fact that there's, there always seems to be these devices that get attached to people's like just below and behind the ear. There, that that seems to be a very common a trope within, well, Doctor Who, but a lot of science fiction, like when te- devices get attached to people, they're not attached like to the lower spine or, you know, under their hair. It's always like, no, just behind the ear, like kind of hidden, but still kind of visible. <laughs> I just think it's kind of funny.
1: Sometimes you see them right on the back of the neck.
0: That's true. That's true.
1: But uh, But apparently below the ear is a vulnerable spot on humans.
0: Yes. Yes. There's something important there. Back at the prison, the doctor has uh, ha- had a post mortem done on the dead man who died in the process room unattended. We've, we we find out that in from his file, apparently, people's fears are recorded in their medical files, <laughs> which I'm not sure if mine are. But his medical file says he was deadly afraid of rats, and therefore, bum bum bum, he the scratches and bites on his head and neck are consistent with rats, and therefore that that's what he died yeah. at being scared.
1: He had psychosomatic rat bites, <laughs>
0: right? Uh, oh, is that even possible? Does that does that no. happen? No, <laughs>
1: no. It okay. it is possible to scare someone into having a heart attack, but it is not, at least according to the known laws of physics and medicine, possible for someone to develop psychosomatic rat bites.
0: <laughs> okay, because uh, it's a, it, a yet another uh, trope that you often see in in mm-hmm. on TV with like people who who think themselves into an injury. There's
1: And with some injuries, it is possible, just not rat bites. Oh, uh. what, one thing that's very significant about this scene is the doctor gets all in a huff, you know, not unusual for the third doctor. Right. And uh, over whether he's a scientist or not, because the medical examiner is like dissing his scientific credentials. And the doctor comes out with, let me tell you, sir, that I am a scientist and I have been for several thousand years. And then he gets cut off
0: <laughs> yes. and
1: and so, at the time, they had not established what the doctor's age was in at least not in a lot of rigor. I mean, there have been illusions here and there, but this is one of the but they're inconsistent. This is one of the illusions that the doctor is actually not hundreds of years old but thousands of years old, and that this may not be just his third incarnation and so in- in hindsight, after the most recent season. Mm-hmm. This would seem to be a bit of timeless child bleed through where he's yep. remembering and a, in this incarnation at this moment he's at least remembering some more of his history than he does on other occasions.
0: That would be that would be some good headcanon on that. I'd like to see that develop. So uh, we we find out that uh, the brigadier then gets another call from this Captain Shin Lee who tells him not only now it's gone beyond the uh Papers being stolen from the Chinese delegation. Now the Chinese delegate himself has been killed. So uh, that we have a major plot development there. Uh, in the prison, uh, Professor Kettering, who's been operating the, the Keller machine, is working on it when it activates. And he, he grabs his head as if in pain. Then he imagines himself drowning and then collapses. And later on, we're going to find out that he has all the signs of having drowned on dry land.
1: His lungs are filled with seawater or something.
0: Yes. Uh, again, very, uh, very curious. Uh, so the doctors like, okay, we have to dismantle this devil machine. This this, this horrible Keller machine. Uh, but they won't let him.
1: To be frank, he wanted to do that in the beginning.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. He, he's biased against it from the start. The, instead, they'll mothball it. Uh, and then doctor, the doctors told that Keller himself had assembled this machine. It had come from Sweden uh, along with his assistant a young chinese woman dun, dun, dun. oh yeah. we've had a chinese woman show up i wonder if they're connected
1: yeah we even had a chinese woman connected with mind control show up
0: yes uh so uh barnum the the prisoner who was uh, under the, the device uh, he recovers and uh he's a, he's all sort of childlike now and kind of you know uh, uh, uh acting like he's been lobotomized frankly and uh m- meanwhile uh let's see. i tr-
1: I, d- I don't know that i would characterize it that way. I mean, broadly speaking, you could say it that way. But he's not just acting lobotomized. He is acting genuinely innocent. Now. Well, that's like true. He's that's an true. innocent child now.
0: Yeah, that, that that is a bit of a yeah. The the popular idea is that lobotomized is you're acting kind of um innocent or childlike, but lobotomized is really like non-functional. Really, yeah. Uh, uh so I, yeah, I should be more precise on that. So, um, they begin to notice that whenever the the prisoners begin rioting. The Keller device, you know, the prisoners in, in the in the wing of the prison. The Keller device activates, and th- there's a connection between this de- device activating and the and the prisoners' attitudes and behavior. Um, and one of these times, the device, the prisoners riot. The device activates, and the doctor's in the room, and he starts being uh, seeing a hallucination of burning in flame. Uh, yeah. but, but he's saved by Joe coming in. And he says that his fear of fire comes from having witnessed a some world that he'd been to burning.
1: Yeah, so that's, a, that's an allusion to the previous season's uh, finale, Inferno, where he was on the alternate earth that burned.
0: Ooh, okay, okay, that's what that was. All right, right. Uh, I, I, I missed that. Um, uh, he, he, his line here is he says, we believe what our minds tell us, and that's, that's his explanation for why it, it, these images are so harmful. Uh, meanwhile, we have uh, Captain Yates, who uh, has been uh, tasked by uh, the brigadier with this mission of uh, being security for the movement of this uh, weapon of mass destruction. this It's a nuclear-powered missile carrying nerve gas. So it's, <laughs> it's not just a nuke. It's a nuclear-powered <sighs> missile that carries a nerve gas. Why not is- have
1: a gas-powered missile that carries a nuclear warhead? <laughs>
0: right, right. And uh, it's apparently in violation of a whole bunch of treaties, and it's not supposed to exist. And so they've decided to take the occasion of this World Peace Conference to to quietly get rid of it before anyone notices. By, By dumping, dumping it,
1: it. <laughs> in the ocean.
0: In the ocean. It's like, uh, the, we're not going to
1: disassemble this device and, you know— take its components elsewhere we're going to just dump it in the ocean. Yeah,
0: put it we're so, gonna... put the nuclear material in the nerve gas someplace where it's safe. No, no, just dump it in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> going to so, cause
1: our own broken arrow.
0: <laughs> that's right. Uh but Yates uh, has been you know diverted from this task to, to to go and grab the doctor and take him back to unit cuz the the briggs the brigadier he's he thinks that finding of what happened to this Chinese delegate is much more important because he's afraid that if you know this could start a world war, which you know it's a it's a valid concern, uh, but the the doctor doesn't want to go, and when Yates tries to bodily force the doctor, the doctor does some Venusian karate on him, uh, just to to, to dis- disable Yates. But eventually, which, which,
1: which this time is, I believe, flagged as Venusian karate instead of aikido, which is what it eventually settles into.
0: Yes, yes, uh, those Venusians with their their martial arts. Uh, but the doctor does eventually agree to go. But he, but Joe stays behind to uh, to to watch over the 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 pro the Keller machine and gets the uh, the the governor the the what we would call a warden the prison warden they they have a, a prison governor uh, about keeping the doors to the room barred which they don't. The doctor does have this a bit of a, a thing he talk, says about he isn't confident she'll do as he says. He has this thing about, uh, for some reason, the lack of confidence in Joe following his orders, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and in fact, is a recurring well, it's, theme it's, with the doctor.
1: Yeah. And it, 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 based on past experience, his companions don't always do what he tells
0: them. And yeah. that's
1: actually a good sign if you're a competent secret agent here, which Joe is. You know, she's right. not just the tea lady like you thought.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, but but we even saw when we talked last time about the uh, the beast below with Amy and the Doctor and how he angry he got when she you know tried to think you know to, to think around him to, to to decide for him what he should know and that sort of thing uh, so it's it's a it's a theme that recurs. Uh, meanwhile, back in London, uh, Sergeant Benton is doing a terrible job following uh, Captain Chin Lee, uh, and she, she gives him a headache. Yeah, she does their like her mind control something that has something to do with the Keller prop machine, uh, to do to him what was done to the others, but not killing him, which is nice. Uh, and uh, she gives him the slip, and he gets he gets a severe dressing down by the brigadier. The brigadier has no patience for Benton's failure here. That's pretty. He's pretty tough on him. Uh, meanwhile, we see a telephone repairman outside the unit headquarters, and it turns out to be the master in disguise because he is a master of disguise. And I
1: think this is the first time we see the master using a disguise.
0: Yeah, I don't think we saw that in Terror of the Autons.
1: Yeah, in, in Terror of the Autons, I mean, he assumed a persona, but not a not a disguise.
0: Right, right. And so he was evidently tapping the, the uh, unit phone lines and uh, with a radio transceiver, and so he's able to listen in on their phone calls, and he hears Yates making the security arrangements for the transport of the missile. Uh, and so, uh, he, and he drives off in a limo being driven by, you know, this, uh, ominous chauffeur, chauffeur. Yes. And, and
1: this is very Bond-like too. Yes. I mean, the master is really coming across as a Bond supervillain. I mean, he, he's just been doing the grubby phone work yeah, and, and then he pulls off the phone repairman disguise and suddenly he's in his suave black suit and he gets into a black limousine and he's being yes. driven around. By a chauffeur in livery, and he's smoking a cigar, and he's just like in command of everything here. He's like a Bond supervillain.
0: Yes, he is. He is. I, I, um, you see, I, I, it's interesting. They call in in they call it a saloon car. Because limousine is a French word, obviously. So mm-hmm. it's a saloon car. That was kind of fun.
1: Where you can uh, get a side order of freedom fries with your martini, I guess. <laughs>
0: exactly. Uh, so the uh, the doctor. Saloon,
1: it's, by the way, now for Americans, yeah. the word "saloon suggests an old West bar mm. um, but that's not where it comes from. Where it comes from is the word salon, yes, another French word, so this' <laughs> a, a salon car
0: right it, it have, evokes luxury, a luxurious room, I think is the idea, yeah so uh the doctor agrees to help with the the whole ch- the, the death of the murder of the Chinese delegate if the brigadier agrees to recommend destroying the killer machine so we they've kind of settled that uh so the uh, the new delegate is this guy named Fu Peng and when the doctor hears his name he says oh he must be Ho- hokkien and the brigadier says no no he's chinese <laughs> but so the do- mm-hmm. so the doctor uh, has more knowledge than the uh, uh, about this guy than the, the brigadier does because when they arrive at the chinese delegation the brigadier this is i love this scene the brigadier is ignored by fu peng but the doctor greets him in the Hokkien dialect, which pleases Fu Peng, who greets him back. Uh, then they start to have this conversation in Hokkien, totally ignoring the brigadier. And uh, the doctor claims to have met, known Chairman Mao, who uh, personally, who gave him permission to call him by his personal name, uh, which gets it, even more deference from Fu Peng.
1: Yeah, they don't actually say Mao. Uh, right. Because that would probably be a little over the line for the time. Yes. But um, he refers say, to yeah. S- Tsung si uh, yeah. or C- Tsung, I'm sorry, and, yeah. uh, and uh, you're not allowed to use our chairman's name. Oh, he gave me permission himself. <laughs> right. like, oh. So they, they mask it a little bit so that it's not quite so obvious what they're saying. But yeah, Chairman Mao knows the doctor and gave him permission to use his first name. So <laughs> apparently he knew him back when he was just a young aspiring dictator.
0: <laughs> yes, Exactly. Uh, it's kind of interesting that the you know the how easily the doctor talks about being fr- you know being uh, familiar with this hor- horrible b- dictator anyway uh they do ignore the brigadier as they go into the other room who and he can't get a word in edgewise you know in his investigation
1: at one point fu ping even rolls his eyes about the brigadier <laughs> right also uh we have a uh, an interesting line from the doctor, and I actually use this as my intro on Facebook, mm-hmm. they have a little place where you can put a quotation, and for the long t- longest time, it was a quotation, you know, to describe yourself, and it is, I guess, the purpose of this little space, right. and for the longest time, I had a quotation from Gag Halfront, the psychiatrist, well, he's just this guy, you know? <laughs> from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy but the, yep. for a long time it's been a quote from this doctor may god go with you also doctor who to fu peng in the mind of evil
0: right which which implies that fu peng had said in the hokkien okay. dialect something about god be with you which was mm-hmm. would be interesting from a uh, a communist a delegate from China uh, mm-hmm. at the time uh especially at that time uh, in the early seventies or eighties or or eighties yeah. which is yes the, <laughs> the the unit dating problem uh one of the interesting thing here is uh, i saw pointed out that this is the first time and and one of the only times until modern who that the doctor speaks another lang in an English, an earth language another earth language other than English and is subtitled mm-hmm. uh, in, in this scene uh so it's kind of interesting to to see him speaking uh in another Earth language, at least he didn't speak baby or horse. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, back in the prison, Joe visits with Barnum, the the prisoner, and he's all pleasant and in in uh, mild, um, and all because all the negative impulses have been extracted. And the the doctor, uh, I have to refer to him as the medical doctor there, Doctor Summers, says it may it has made him either an idiot or a saint, which is kind of an interesting. Uh, embrace the healing power of and <laughs> yes <laughs> maybe he's an idiot and a saint uh but uh, I, th- I thought it was like you so uh, having all the evil extracted out of you would make you either an idiot or a saint i, th- I thought it was an interesting perspective then another pr- prisoner named mailer is brought to the uh, preparatory cell that that they set up before you're taken to the keller room which i thought had been mothballed at this point. I I'm surprised they're all ready to go ahead and use the Keller machine again so quickly after two people have died in the in that room. But a custodian, a, another prisoner who's been who'd been sent to clean the room, has hidden a gun under the pillow. So I'm not sure where he got the gun uh, well, actually, he probably got the gun from we you know who. The master. Yeah. yeah. Uh and Mailer uses the gun to take the guard's prisoner. I, I do want to point out, prisoners of this time in England were very well-dressed. They they wore ties. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little, a little, a little surprised uh, that they, these guys wearing ties were, were the prisoners.
1: Oh, and then someone had to go and use it to commit suicide and ruin it for everybody.
0: Right, right. No no more ties. So uh, the doctor realizes now that Chin Li is the connection between the conference and the prison. Um... And uh, she's meeting up. We we see her meeting up with the master in his uh, saloon car. Who uh, she's starting to resist his orders to kill the American delegate. But he hypnotizes her again because the master is the is the that's his power at this time is the ability to hypnotize people. And uh, he he wants her to kill the American delegate. He's trying to create world tensions. He's trying to start a war, basically a world war. A world war. Given what he plans to do later. I'm not sure why killing the delegates is that big a deal. Uh but we'll 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 get to that. Uh so but Chin he, Lee is he, he yeah.
1: assigns Chin Lee to go kill the American delegate who's a senator with a passable American accent.
0: Oh, I thought it was pretty bad.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs>
0: It, it is a british actor doing an american accent i thought it was better than
1: most of what we have but i mean yeah. it did sound recognizably american to me if not perfect whereas like perry it, ugh, that's oh. just all over the map that yes you know, that's true. at least this i could say okay this person is doing like a northeastern american accent like from new york or something
0: that's true that's true uh she so chinley lures the uh american senator alcott to the Chinese delegation suite on the on a pretense, and when he gets there, she becomes a dragon, or at least he imagines that she becomes some kind of dragon. And uh, the doctor, the uh, brigadier, and Fu Peng all come in, and they all collectively see the same hallucination. So uh, they they you know, they're kind of surprised with this. Uh, they they manage to uh, to stop her and discover that she's got this the the disc under her ear is a telepathic amplifier. That the master had put on her, uh, which picks up and projects the impulses coming from the Keller machine all the way back in Stangmore prison. We
1: also established that she was the assistant of the Swiss guy who installed the Keller machine. So she was Keller's assistant.
0: Right. Uh, and so the, the doctor figures out that someone's trying to start a world war That's the at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they take Chinley back to the brigadier's office. They talk about her going to Stangmore with Keller. But she doesn't really remember. And, you know, long story short, they figure out Keller is the master and the doctors get it all figured out.
1: And she kind of disappears from the plot at this point.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it for her. She's the whole whole Chinese delegation is uh, done at this point.
1: Meanwhile, Sergeant uh, Benton is standing in front of a painting of a lake with a missile and yelling about moving the painting in an expeditious (laughs) fashion.
0: Get that crane on to carry this painting away. Yes, it is, it is a very bad—obviously, uh, Like back in the time, they didn't have green screen, so they had—this is what they—I mean, they didn't have—well, actually, they did have green screen. They did have chroma key, but they didn't bother with this one. Uh, they're trying to save a few bucks by having a painting of a missile. Uh, in front of a lake. In front of a lake. Uh, meanwhile, at the prison, uh, th- there's been a riot led by Mailer, who, who's uh, the guy who is next in line for the machine. Uh, he, he takes Joe prisoner, but she turns the tables on him. And ends the riot. She manages to, to dis disable him, which is pretty, you know, pretty awesome. Uh the master arrives posing as Keller and meets with Mailer and they plan a new prison takeover, which this time succeeds actually quite easily. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. There's like a riot in the wing, they take control, they lose control, the master shows up, then they get the whole prison. So uh and the doctor shows up and ends up getting taken prison by the master.
1: Yeah. There's also a nice bit a little bit before we get here where we're back at the unit temporary headquarters and the doctor comes in to the brigadier's office and the brigadier has his head down on his desk and he's asleep. <laughs> right. And it's like so awesome for Mr. military discipline and here he's literally caught napping. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. We get the implication he's been, you know, uh, there all night working at his desk so you know he's he's the very stressful situation. So the master tells the doctor that he needs his help in fixing the machine, which has developed a mind of its own, a mind of evil. And he also intends to steal the nuclear powered gas missile that unit is transporting. <laughs>
1: you know which of these technologies is the more advanced, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm like, why like I we've got this missile this gas missile. I know, let's put a nuclear powered engine in it. Maybe we could just make the nuclear powered engine explode when it hits. Wouldn't that be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the, if the gas doesn't kill you, the radiation from the uh, from the engine is going to. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: And even if it's even if it's even if you can't make it blow up on command exactly when you when it impacts, you could still. I mean, the radial it'll it'll be a radiological bomb. <laughs> exactly. <So.
0: laughs> Let's stick some uh, ca- uh, some. Uh, but some virus in there too, like some biological. Just make it the whole, the whole nine yards. Anyway, the uh, the doctor ends up jumping out the window of the office uh, and goes to find Joe. Uh, he and it, through a couple of different you know uh, turnabouts, he ends up back in the process room where the master is waiting for him. The master says, "I knew you'd make your way here, but the doctor wasn't actually really intending to go there, which is interesting. He was intending to go get Joe, not to, to the process room, but he ends up there anyway." And the master puts him in the chair and turns the machine on and leaves. Which I'm thinking, didn't he want the doctor to fix the machine?
1: Yeah, he (laughs) wanted him, he wanted him, so I think they cover this in dialogue. He wanted the doctor first to see how long he could resist the machine. As a test, and then right. he's then he's gonna want to f- want him to fix it. I think the doctor even points out, "Didn't you want me to fix this?" And the master says, "Yeah, but I also want a test to see how long you can resist it." And the doctor's right. like, "Oh, I can't resist this," right? Which is interesting. We have instead of bravado, we have the doctor being vulnerable, acknowledging that he can't deal with something, and saying nobody could deal with this. And the master is poo pooing that.
0: Right. Right. And and this time the doctor's hallucination is even worse. It's not just fire. Now he also sees Daleks and Cybermen in addition to the fire. So in in one sense the, it's getting worse. The it's mm-hmm. or more, more powerful uh, so that we, we we to take that implication. And
1: and he passes out and the master comes in and checks both of his hearts and establishes that one is under each breast, which I think is I can't recall if this is the first time they've established that, but they may have back when the very first episode of the third doctor spearhead from space right when he was unconscious but if they ha- if they didn't establish it then this may be the first time they established that they're symmetrical in the chest which is was n- is not a given because you could have the hearts in any number of relations with each other right right well, one above the other
0: and that sort of thing yeah. yeah uh so for some reason what's happening to the doctor starts affecting everyone Else in the prison, so the ma- the master shuts the the machine off uh and as you mentioned, he checks the-, the doctor's hearts one of them is stopped, so he has to get it going again Mm-hmm. and By a uh, light tap yes yes that the old uh, tapping the chest to get the heart started the the master wants him to operate the machine while he's gone, but why would the doctor bother like why would the doctor like, why does he want him to operate the machine while he's gone? And why would the doctor do it? It's just, to, I, I well, as
1: in terms of his plan, it's because, I guess, he wants to continue to create instability leading up to the World War. His plan, his overall plan, is cause a world war and then take over. And he right. seems to have developed the first part of his plan much more elaborately than <laughs> the second part of his plan, at least right. what we're... If from from what we're, uh, we're given, I mean, the first part is like create riot at prison, take control of prison, make prison look normal to outsiders, lure outsiders inside, use machine to create instability, set off missile to kill delegates, kill other delegate preliminarily, tap unit phone lines, cause world war, and then somehow I'm in charge. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> after, after nuclear missiles have wiped everyone out, you can rule over the rubble.
1: Me, me, uh, the doctor also, uh, along this time, decides that there's a creature in the machine yes. that's not from Earth and that's feeding on the evil in people's minds. And for some reason, it also shows them their greatest fears. And this doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand right. the connect. i think this is bad writing. I don't understand the connection between showing people horrible fears and eating the evil in their souls. Especially when they're not even necessarily the same person. I mean, he it ate the evil out of Barnum's soul, yeah. but it killed the other guy with the rat scratches. Yes. So, but then with other people, when it's preparing to eat the evil in their soul, it's also showing them their worst fear. And I don't understand why showing them their worst fear would take the evil out of them.
0: Right. It's it's it should have either been mind of fear or the mind of evil. They're not necess- they're not the same thing. Right.
1: Yeah. And because when it shows people their fear, it tends to kill them. Not de evil them.
0: Right. I mean, it should ha- have a feast on the master. <laughs> if it's if it's eating evil. <laughs>
1: yeah. Also, speaking of the master, it does get a go at the master and we get to see his greatest fear, which is the doctor laughing at him <laughs> in derision.
0: Yes. <laughs> I love that that it's the 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 doctor laughing at him is his greatest is his greatest fear. <laughs> of, of all I just love that uh and he's as it's attacking he's trying to convince it that he, he you know it's his servant he is the master you are the servant uh it doesn't go well and uh meanwhile a uh, doctor summer is uh, the, the the doctor is incapacitated in, in, in a coma like state uh and the doctor summer the medical doctor examines do- the doctor and is amazed at his, at his alien physiology i have to say that doctor summer throughout this story comes across as quite a decent fellow he's mm-hmm, yeah he's 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 courageous he's uh you know c- compassionate i have to say of all of everyone in this story he comes across as the nicest guy he's uh, also
1: mentally flexible he's dealing with multiple stuff they didn't train him for back in doctor school
0: <laughs> no kidding as especially as a, a prison doctor uh so the uh the 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 master seemed seems to have been injured as well from his encounter with the evil thing in the box uh and uh He ends up, uh, the master ends up having to reveal his plan to Mailer. The Thunderbolt missile, which is what it's called, which is illegal under current arms treaties, is set to pass within a few miles of the prison, conveniently, uh, the next morning. And so he wants Mailer and some of the other prisoners to hijack it so the master can aim it at the peace conference, Uh, which, you know, a bunch of uh, random, you know, low-level criminals versus highly trained unit security guards. Oof that they should be easily overcome <laughs> so uh the next morning the doctor is as well again and he and joe get to jump on the guards and manage to escape and they discover that the master's uh, dastardly plans uh i oh i do like that the master uses a slide projector to uh to, to reveal his plans Did you notice that like, uh-huh. like yeah. uh huh like i was waiting for the like the beep to turn the slide <laughs>
1: <laughs> i like the fact that when the doctor and joe Uh, escape they use the ruse they use to do it involves getting them served food right so they like someone comes in with the food trays and joe flings them in his face and stuff and then there are consequences to this because later on after they've been recaptured they they're hungry and they want food and the doctor is like well i guess we shouldn't have thrown our breakfast at them then (laughs) <laughs>
0: right <laughs> that's they true have to
1: eat food off the floor that was <laughs> left over
0: <laughs> uh, right right he it's, he's, he's, it's a good thing they're not very good at cleaning up after themselves uh so the hijack occurs um captain yates takes a bullet he say ta- I, I gotta say captain yates is a pretty resilient fellow in all of this because he he gets shot a couple times and is sort of like back at it, ready for duty, sir, <laughs> a couple there, times.
1: There will eventually be consequences from all the things he goes through.
0: Oh. Uh, I'll, I'll, he has a character arc. Okay, okay. Uh, so, yeah, Yates gets shot but survives, and and uh, Benton is uh, bashed in the head and thrown to the ground. The brigadier admits that this missile isn't supposed to exist, but I love the fact that they're riding it around with it hanging off the back of a truck without any kind of covering whatsoever. It's just mm-hmm. this huge missile. Like, yeah. <laughs> like when the when the u s military like transports missiles or other things like that around and they do oh, they yeah they're, they're disguised just, <laughs> they're disguised,
1: they have vehicles that are are designed to not cause uh, call as much attention to what they're doing as they're driving the nuclear missile through the residential area <laughs>
0: right yeah <laughs> when, when when they transport you know even just regular missiles like like air to air missiles they're in trucks that look like I don't know, like like moving trucks and stuff. So, but you know that's I know we, we've got to have uh, we've got to have our drama. So, I, w- yet-
1: I, I was I was uh, listening to uh, George Knapp once. He's a um, reporter at KLAS in Las Vegas. He's he's the guy who broke the Area 51 story and the Skinwalker mm-hmm. Range story and things like that. And once he and some other guys were driving around out in the Nevada desert, and they came across these trucks that seemed suspiciously marked and they investigated and it turned out oh you just interfered with one of these nuclear transport <laughs> things <laughs> and it's like okay we'll get out of here right away sir thank you <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes yes very uh military looking men in plain clothes yes <laughs> telling them to move uh so uh, Yates manages to get on one of the motorcycles from the security uh, g- detail and follows the the, uh, the hijackers to a, a hangar on an abandoned air base where the prisoners begin preparing to launch the missile, which, again, uh, regular, everyday old uh, prisoners who—this must be a very easy-to-operate uh, weapon of mass destruction, let's just say Point and shoot. <laughs> yes. So as he tries to get away, they shoot him again— but this time he was driving toward a giant pile of, uh, of crates, because as you do, and uh, as he's shot, um, he, he, he falls off the bike and the bike crashes through the crates because that's very dramatic. Uh, and uh, they, they capture him again.
1: Meanwhile, back at the prison, the machine, the killer machine, has learned to teleport. And so it starts teleporting all over the place and attacking people and going on a rampage.
0: Yeah, and the doctor tells Joe that it's the deadliest threat to mankind Ever. since the beginning of time. Yeah, which I, I mean, talk about ramping up the stakes. Yeah, I'm going. You know, this thing is
1: just kind of hopping around a prison, giving people headaches and panic attacks. <laughs> it's it's not exactly a nuclear bomb,
0: right? Right. I think that we've had some more deadly uh uh uh, uh threats to mankind.
1: Fortunately, help is on the way because the brigadier is going to infiltrate the prison using the secret underground passage that has never been blocked off, which of course <laughs> In a prison. is exactly what every prison needs. You know, it's not like the prisoners are going to discover the secret
0: underground passage that has never been blocked off. Right. Uh well, and the thing is, is the brigadier thinks that's where the missile is. He thinks that that the missile has been taken by the prisoners they they got a clue because Benton remembers seeing a black prison van uh what he calls a black Mariah, which is a, a I have to say I, I looked it up. Black Mariah is sort of like a paddy wagon mm-hmm. uh, and and there is one theory that it refers to this woman in uh, this this black woman named Maria or Mariah who lived in ran a boarding house in Philadelphia who was sometimes called on by the police to deal with particularly unruly. Uh, oh, prisoners boy. who needed to be rounded up in the area. Hmm. <laughs> I just, I just thought it was a a, a pretty a funny uh, origin story. Anyway, they they surmise that the hijackers came from the prison, and so that's where. Uh, and because so much has been happening at Stangmore, that's why the brigadier goes there. Uh, and meanwhile, Mailer has told the master, "Look, you got to get back to the prison here." Um, the master's off with the missile uh, in Yates. Uh, you get back here because this machine is running about killing people, and uh, the master's. Perplexed by the machine's behavior, which I, I like this like the master's not in control he's not the master of the situation uh as as we see uh he's yeah. sort of set off this this uh, this agent of chaos in the midst of things that he'd never really had control over.
1: Yeah, I keep thinking how this would have been interesting if Missy had had been playing the master instead of, I mean, if Michelle Gomez had been playing the master instead of Roger Delgado. Yep. Because there's so much chaos in the master's plan that it almost feels like a Missy plot. If if you just had Michelle Gomez here camping it up and playing it for comedy.
0: Oh, wow, this would be so good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's one particular moment that is comedic that I really like where at The doctor and Joe are back in their cell. They've been recaptured after the great breakfast escape. Uh And the master comes in to talk to the doctor. And the doctor and Joe are playing checkers. And the master comes up and starts talking to the doctor. And the doctor's like, shh, and keeps playing (laughs) checkers. And then the master starts, after the doctor makes his move, the master starts to interrupt again. And Joe goes, shh, to the master. (laughs) (laughs) And... And then Joe executes one of those moves that's possible in checkers where you, like, take all of your opponent's pieces. So Joe then takes all of the doctor's pieces, leaving the doctor and the master flummoxed about this. Sometimes these games are too simple.
0: Right. I prefer a three-dimensional chess, I think the doctor says. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um... But I, doc- I just love how both the doctor and Joe get to shush the master. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, and he puts up with it. Uh, so the... Uh- The doctor has to come up with a plan to subdue the machine, to keep it from jumping about everywhere and killing everyone. Uh, So his plan is to throw a coil of wires he's made over the device and have it generate on the same frequency as the beta rhythms of the human brain Mm -hmm. to confuse it. So this is the plan. And he's got it plugged into the mains uh, through some device in the hallway. Yeah. Uh, I I like the fact, it's very interesting, throughout this exchange where the doctor and and the master are working together on this device, they're very civil to each other. There's no arguing, no rancor, just please and thank you. It's very civilized.
1: I, I know. I really like that aspect of Roger Delgado's master. He does come across when he wants, which is most of the time, as being very charming. You know, yes. as he'll be talking to, oh, my dear Miss Grant, blah, 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 blah. And he's just so charming and civilized. And of course, if the doctor doesn't do what I want, I will have to kill you. But I would very much regret that.
0: This is very different from uh the Har- Harold Saxon or Missy or, or the Anthony uh, Ainley. Yeah or, or or the our the most recent doctor who are very much more uh, rancorous and angry and or just you know crazy uh, so yeah. it's a very interesting difference so um after subduing the machine the doctor is taken back to his cell where he tells Joe the story of being locked in the Tower of London with Sir Walter Raleigh and the discovery of the potato which is his yeah. <laughs> story
1: Uh, And he's only they don't introduce it as as the discovery of the potato, this new vegetable he'd found. And it's like, okay, I'm not thinking Sir Walter Raleigh is famous for having popularized potatoes. (laughs) I thought thought it was something funnier than that, describing tobacco as a vegetable. But then, oh, no, it's just
0: potatoes. (laughs) Right. Uh, So the Brigadier. But uh, but our second
1: Tower of London thing in uh, in two episodes. Yes. Secrets of Doctor Who, because. Last time we went to the Space Tower of London with Liz Tin.
0: That's true. That's true. Uh, this is all of these these coincidences that crop up. So the the Brigadier shows up at the front gate posing as a uh, a delivery man uh, delivering food for the prison uh, and it, booze. He's got booze
1: for the booze. Go- for the governor
0: and he's got a, a nice. Uh, he he's lost his posh accent and he's got you know the nice uh, uh, blue collar worker accent uh, going. Uh, talks himself past the guards and. Uh, he's he, Of course, the van is full of unit soldiers, of course. Right. He, he set uh,
1: this up earlier as our Trojan horse, so we have a Trojan horse food van.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, and then he starts uh, speaking through a bullhorn once they're inside that the prison is in military hands. You should now surrender. And they shoot the bullhorn out of his hands. I know. He's
1: just standing up in the middle of the courtyard with no cover bellowing on a bullhorn. <laughs> You're making yourself a target, dude. <laughs>
0: I mean, they're shooting all around him. They, they, they have not subdued anything at this point. <laughs> so uh, M- Mailer takes the Doctor and Joe as hostages, and uh, and, we, and we end the, this particular episode with uh, the gun going yeah. off in Mailer's hand, we think. Yeah, it, it's an interesting fake-out,
1: because the gun we get an extreme close-up of apparently firing at the Doctor is actually not Mailer's gun firing when we come back from right. the other side of the break. I wanted to comment though, about the assault on the prison uh-huh. and the unit soldiers in this are just going to town on the prisoners. There's a moment in in like where a prisoner is facing in a certain direction and he's up on like the battlements and he's facing it, in a certain direction, and then he turns around. And his weapon is pointed down at the ground, and it turns out there's a unit soldier behind him who just shoots him in the face.
0: Yes. I mean, <laughs> not
1: literally in the face, but from the front. And his weapon is pointed at the ground. It's like, are you sure it's ethical to just kill somebody who's just turned around and is not pointing a weapon at you? This is
0: Take No he Prisoners. You might surrender yeah. here. Yeah. They have evidently have a Take No Prisoners rules of engagement in this one. Yeah. I also love that. I've commented before. Everyone seems to shoot from the hip, literally. Uh-huh. Like nobody aims their gun. It's always like down low. They have a, they are amazing marksmen. So uh, well, what the brigadier only is,
1: imperial only imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Everyone else shoots from the hip.
0: <laughs> exactly. So uh, the brigadier saves them just before Mailer uh, shoots him. It's not Mailer's hand that's shooting the gun. It's it's the brigadier. He shoots uh, Mailer. Uh, I do like the doctor's line at this point. Thank you, Brigadier. But do you think once in your life you could arrive before the nick of time? <laughs> and the the Brigadier says, "You're welcome." Uh, the the Master meanwhile has gone to be with the missile, and he's getting it ready to launch. Uh, Yates, who's escaped at this point from the Master's control, contacts the Brigadier. He's gotten back to the unit temporary headquarters and tells him where the missile is. And I, I just think of how very different it is from today. Like today, we'd have drones up everywhere, satellite imaging. Uh, and mm-hmm. when we knew where it was, we just, we'd send a cruise missile in and wipe it out. You know I mean? That's, just, it would be, it would be very much, maybe, but, uh, there were helicopter assault or something like that. Just a very different time for, uh, how things yeah. were done.
1: I can see not destroying the missile because it, there are civilians in the area. You don't want to necessarily right. gas and irradiate them. <laughs> right. But I love how the brigadier is like, wait, what? You mean the missile isn't here in the prison? Oh, well, I showed up for nothing then.
0: yes well you did save the doctor but yes well i'm exaggerating a little (laughs) yes uh so the the uh the evil machine begins to overcome the doctor's restraint it starts burning out the coil it's becoming more powerful Um, oh i know and it it, as it burns it out it attacks the cameraman and starts (laughs) making
1: him swoon back and forth
0: (laughs) i I know that i was still getting a little dizzy watching that i was like a little nauseous uh the the camera movement the uh, and so the doctor discovers that it's now escaped and it's beamed away. Um, meanwhile, Barnum has wandered off in the midst of you know all of this to go find Doctor Summers. Uh, he's he's you know he's, he's again like a child. Uh, the machine comes back to the process room where the doctor and Joard starts attacking him until Barnum comes in and as he gets close to it, it stops. He, he has some kind of muting effect on the on the ability of the. Uh, of the evil machine to attack people, which I think, which is yeah, interesting. Yeah,
1: he's too innocent, and that somehow stops the machine from going after the people who still have evil in them to eat. That's right. But I love how the doctor verifies this, because since he's innocent and childlike now, Barnum is afraid of the machine and wants to leave, and the doctor grabs him and twists his arm behind his back and forces him closer to the <laughs> machine to see if that will make the machine settle down.
0: Yes. <laughs> Uh, and then when they open up the machine, we see the entity inside, which looks oh, like a doll. Evil, it's evil grape jelly with an eye. <laughs> yes. It reminds me of the, of the Daleks in the new, in New Who, the, you inside the casing. Uh, and, uh, the doctor tells us they can only be destroyed by an enormous charge of electricity or a nuclear explosion, which we don't really get either of those <laughs> in yeah. the resolution. Let's just be honest here. <laughs> uh, but it's a big one. Uh. So when the, the master calls the prison back, he, he's expecting to talk to the mailer, uh, but the doctor answers, and the doctor offers the master a deal. He says, I'll give you back your TARDIS dematerialization circuit in exchange for the missile, but that would mean the brigadier has to cancel his attack on the missile to, you know, to destroy it or capture it. But the brigadier, unbeknownst to the doctor, intends to have a, a remote abort, explode the missile on the launch pad. But of course, the master's a no, new no idiot. He has already disarmed the abort code.
1: I, I find it interesting that the doctor, in, when he makes this offer, he tells the master that if he gives him back the dematerialization circuit, he can use his TARDIS to get off the earth and go be a nuisance somewhere else. Yeah, And it's like, Doc, you realize you're just fobbing our problem off on someone else who may not be as equipped to deal with it as you are. Right. And the Doctor does agonize about this a little bit later, but I'm just a little hesitant about the let's let the Master just go and, you know, oppress other people and kill other people plan.
0: I I find it interesting, just in the grand scheme of things, how the Time Lords were all really, you know, tough on the Doctor and and exiles him to Earth for going around helping people. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. the Master is, is devastating places and is spreading evil everywhere. But yet, you know, they don't do anything to him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not <laughs> I mean, that
1: we, not that we see, at least. Yeah. Right,
0: right. They don't take similar action anyway. At least as far as we've we've seen. If
1: this show was called Master, who we might have, you know, found some evidence <laughs> of them doing similar things. This is true. Oh, one reason though is they establish in various series is that the Master has backdoor access to the Matrix. Right. And he may be using that to plant false or misleading information or delete information that would help them find him.
0: Right, 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 right. So, yeah, we can we can backfill on that. Yeah. By the way, there's a, there's a moment very far down the line
1: in Peter Capaldi's time where in The Doctor Falls, you have the first double master episode with Missy and John Saxon, mm-hmm. and they need a DMAT circuit. Right. And Missy intimidates John Saxon, telling him that she remembers that once a very scary woman told her always to carry a spare DMAT circuit. And so he, she's able, after intimidating John Saxon, her former self, to right. pull one out of her own pocket. <laughs> <laughs> right. And right. it's a little surprising that the master didn't start doing that here after getting <laughs> stranded on Earth without a DMAT circuit. Right. Like, always always have carry a spare. A spare.
0: <laughs> right. So uh, the Doctor comes up with a plan to destroy the Master and the Keller machine at the same time. So he's, he's going to take no prisoners here. His, his plan is that, to destroy the Master. He and you know, Joe and, and using Barnum— Using
1: the word destroy.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, he and Joe and Barnum, they show up at the, the missile at the abandoned airbase, and while the Doctor is distracting the Master, Barnum is carrying the mind of evil close to them, and then they run away, leaving him to its full effects, the the Master. The doctor, meanwhile, has run in, rearmed the abort mechanism, and as they're running for a helicopter to escape, Barnum stops to help the master. So that innocence in him is is, mm-hmm. is a bit of his undoing. That stops the mind of evil's effects, letting the master get into a truck, who then runs down poor Barnum and escapes. Yeah. Meanwhile, some for some reason, the mind of evil isn't affecting anyone anymore. <laughs>
1: Well, it's kind of bubbled over in brown foam at this point, so Uh, I guess it's been denatured as grape jelly with an
0: (laughs) eye. Right. So as they fly away, the doctor and and Joe fly away in a a helicopter, Uh, the missile detonates, blowing the hangar and everything else to to bits, Uh, and presumably the mind of evil, we can hope. Oh, and the
1: helicopter sequence in this was something that apparently caused budget overruns, and the director never got hired again.
0: Yes, I remember saying, again, because given the whole point of the Doctor being stuck on Earth was partly for budget reasons, right?
1: hmm Oh, yeah. So
0: a bit surprising that they would spend the money on a helicopter. Uh, evidently, they didn't like that. So the the Doctor had been, you know, enticing the Master with this dematerialization circuit and thought he hadn't given it to him. But when the Doctor and the Master were grappling with each other, uh, the Master must have lifted it from his pocket. So yeah. we Yeah. So it calls him to gloat. He, right, right. And we end with the master like gloating, you know, and the doctor lamenting that the master is free to come and go as as he pleases, while the doctor is still stuck on Earth with the brigadier, as he says. Yeah, and that's where we end things. Uh, so I have to say I, I enjoyed this. This is a, mm-hmm. a fun, a fun story, a fun sort of Bondian sort of story uh, with a sci-fi element to it. And uh, I liked the master in this. Uh, I thought that it was a good story. It wasn't. There was no. Wasn't too many down periods. It, it can sometimes in these six episode yeah. stories can be a, a, a lot of downtime. Wasn't a lot of that. I, I thought it was good.
1: Yeah, I it, for a six parter, it is it is among the better six parters. Yeah, it, it has so much going on that we don't have a lot of just mindless action or running around, and we do have some escaping and getting caught again and escaping and getting caught again. I I still think if, if, if I know it wasn't possible in the period, but if this had been a four parter. I think it would be even better.
0: Right. We could have tightened things up uh, more, which I think would have been good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You've got to fill time on this. All right. Uh, Any last uh, thoughts on this uh, whole episode?
1: No, I I enjoyed it. Um, It has some interesting concepts and uh, some nice comedic potential, especially that moment where both the Doctor and Joe (laughs) get to shush the Master.
0: Yes, and then Very she nice. gets
1: to clean the doctor's clock at checkers.
0: <laughs> Very nice. All right, so as we finish up, I do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Doctor Who, including Father Terrence, Anusha M., Nate F., Mardell B., and Felix L. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And and if you do become a donor at the $10 a month or higher level, uh, we do have some nice gifts that we like to give you, including uh, some Doctor Who-related ones. So go ahead and check that out if you you think that might be something you could do. Uh, We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. What do you think of The Third Doctor Story, The Mind of Evil? Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or at the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send an email to Doctor Who at SQPN.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the 11th Doctor story, Victory of the Daleks, and we get to see Winston Churchill again. Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Thanks, Tom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest, and remember, let me tell you, sir, that I am a scientist, and I have been for several thousand... years? Right. This is going to be fun.